Hello and welcome to Trainer's Voice, brought to you by Guardian Angel Equine Services, a podcast created for the busy equestrians in mind for on-the-go training, chat, learning. My goal as a trainer is to help improve horses' lives and performance by educating and helping their owners. These episodes are my opinions based on my knowledge from research and experience. Feel free to ask questions. All my links will always be in the show notes. Let's get into it. Do you really need a horse? I don't know, do you? Because um, I probably don't. So I did a YouTube video. Uh, all links are in the show notes, as always. Uh, about betting. When I bought betting, it's February was a year ago. I said I was going to save all my receipts for betting. See how much he cost me in a year. I think it was like $7,000, almost $7,000, something like that, as a yearling. And let me tell you, I I don't regret it, but um, Raleigh Link come out with a YouTube video about why you don't need horses, and she had some points, and so I wanted to follow up on that. I'm driving. Uh, I got to go to um, a place and it's taken me a while so I I instead of doing a YouTube video since I already made that video I wanted to uh, do a podcast um, mainly because I did touch up on some of that stuff in the video about the expenses that I was not able to get and expenses for performance horses and things like that so we're going to touch up on that here but we're also going to get into what your options are so if you are wanting a horse, you would like to have horses in your life, maybe you do have a horse, maybe you're leasing a horse. You know, the best advice I can give you is just don't get into horses. (laughs) Um, Horses, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're trail riding, you have a pasture pet, they are expensive. They're big animals, vet bills are big, you know, they are expensive. You get into being way expensive if you decide to compete in any type of event or um, just haul to places, you know. Um, If you get a horse that has or needs a lot of maintenance work, you know, they get pretty expensive. So first thing we're going to talk about is your age groups. You have your people that are under the age of 16, most likely still live with their parents or a um, guardian, most likely, not always, and they, (coughs) excuse me, and you're thinking, okay, there's two types of people here, so if you still live with a guardian, you either A, already have horses, Or B, you would really like a horse. Here's the thing. If you are under the age of 16, you probably are either working to get a job or you do not have a job yet. The first and sole thing to think about when you want to get into horses is where is the income going to come from? If you cannot have a job, you are like 13 or something, you know, and you do not have a job or can find somewhere that will employ you, then 
then you have to figure out if you're living with a guardian, how you can help them financially with owning a horse. If the guardian is nice enough to get you a horse or your parents, whoever it may be, you have to think about the financial hit they are going to take as um, getting a horse. So when people tell me, how do I get my parents to buy me a horse? Or they ask me, uh, how do I get started with getting a horse? You know, the first thing to think about is finances. They are expensive. Not only the initial purchase, purchase in a horse, um, you are talking anywhere between... I'll say $500 to $3,000, depending on the horse and where you go to get the horse. Even if you go to uh, no kill, or if you go to shelters to adopt or to uh, you go to auctions to save a slaughter horse or something, uh, which in its own case is a story in its own because not all those people are all truthful. But you want to rescue a horse, you know. Adoptions are still pretty expensive. Saving from a slaughter um, auction is still pretty expensive. Mainly because people are going to run up slaughter horses for kill buyers. Because while the horses, um, you have two different types of situations. You have people that are going to run them up so people pay more for them. So the kill buyers are always going to... They're always going to bid on all the horses. The kill buyers usually sometimes have it worked out with the auctioneers that they are going to bid on a horse and people who don't want that horse to go to slaughter are going to bid even more because they don't want the horse to go to slaughter. So then you have the situation of your kill buyers are running you up so you have to pay more so the auction people or the people who are selling the horse are getting more from the horse. So, these people, the kill buyers may not always have it in with, you know, the auctions. Um, it depends on the auction setup. You have people that bring in the horses. They set a minimum price for that horse at that sale um, that the horse wants to go for. So, they're going to set that up. They're, you know, they want this minimum before or the horse is not leaving, you know. Depending on the price of that horse, you know, kill buyers are just still going to shell out money and buy that horse. Now, they're not going to shell out over amount of money, but other people will run it up so they get more out of that horse. However, in that case, the horses still get pretty expensive. Now, people have two trains of thoughts. Betting cost me six to $7,000 in a year. Some people, that is inexpensive for a horse when they're looking at other types of horses, such as performance horses. Six to $7,000 a year is still pretty expensive to me. You know, that's still something that I spent six to $7,000 on, you know, when you could have used that money for something else. So if you <coughs> have a business, you could have invested in yourself. You know, if you like to draw, you could have excelled your own drawing business. So many other types of situations. 
versus getting into buying this horse, I could have put $6,000 into my truck and got ahead on my payments, but I decided I wanted a horse, you know? I could have done numerous things with that money. I could have put it in savings to buy my own ranch, but instead I'm boarding my horses, you know? There's... Those are things to think about. What do you really need in your life right now? So getting back to that whole trying to figure out financially what you're going to do. If you are able to find work and get income, great, fantastic. You need to start working on it. I always say that if you are living with your parents and your parents are considering letting you get a horse and you can find a job and get income. That is the best way to start. So that way your, horse, your your parents are not paying in full for the horse straight up. You are trying to pay it yourself. Show a responsibility. Not only that, but if your parents do pay in full for the horse, you pay them back. For multiple reasons. I don't know your parents, but I do know there are some parents. I've come across a few friends who whose parents were like, well, I paid for that horse. You are not taking it when you moved out. Or that you had a falling out with your parents and um, you didn't end on good terms. And they decided to keep that horse because they paid for it. You didn't. Pay your parents back. Not only for reasons of covering your ass, depending on how well your parents are as parents. But also for the sole fact of showing an appreciation that that is a thank you for buying this horse. I appreciate it. I am going to pay you back for that. That is a responsibility. That is showing appreciation. That is called adulting. You may be 13, but you know what? If you want a horse, you decided to grow up and you decided to do those things. <coughs> if you want a horse, but you also like sports, do not get a horse you plan on competing on unless you have the financial, uh, fi financial um, ability and the support behind you, such as your parents, family members, cousins, whoever, to help support you with that. Because if you, I in high school, not only did a whole year of competitive cheer, but played basketball and rode horses and tried to go to rodeos, all at one time, you're going to be exhausted. You really need to outweigh what your priorities are with your horses. Do you really, really, really want to work with horses and ride in rodeo or even just go trail riding? You don't have to buy a horse to go rodeo. You don't have to buy a horse to compete on. You can have a pasture pet slash trail horse. But when it comes down to it, you have a rodeo or a cheer competition or a basketball game or a softball game. When you have all that, you have to narrow down what is your priorities. You have to prioritize one over the other. So when you come into situations where you have a rodeo the same time you have a softball game, which one do you want more? This also plays a part in high school of what I ran into of... Your coach or your horse not feeling like you are doing enough for the team. So when you are prioritizing, you have to recognize that you are letting one person down or the other. 
over the fact of, you know, if you are choosing not to be at a softball game, you have teammates that are counting on you. If you are choosing to be at the softball game and not go to a rodeo, you are choosing to let your horse down as far as a competitive animal. So those are things that you have to think about. So I got to run this in here real fast and I will message you guys or talk to you guys in just a minute and we'll finish this conversation. So, um, back to this point. So the thing, it, it really works on, it, it, it comes down to income. Can you afford a horse? And not only that, but if you can't afford a horse, then can your parents afford a horse? So here's an option for you. Depending on your location, I highly, highly, highly recommend doing lessons and or leasing a horse until you are at least age uh, 16 to be able to work for yourself or, well, to work for someone. Um, I highly, highly recommend uh, just doing that. So that way you get a feel, you learn quite a bit about, um, you learn quite a bit about, uh, you know, just horses in general, you, you gain a lot of knowledge as far as care, keep, riding. Um, I do like for people to take lessons to begin with. Um, that way you have a really good foundation of riding. And then when you start leasing a horse, you know, um, you are able to care and keep for that horse and ride that horse like it's yours. Now, as far as leasing, depending on your area and person, there is a lot of uh, different options as far as leasing. So you can lease at a boarding facility. They'll have horses that you can pay to lease and you come up and you take care of on the boarding facility. We'll, we'll feed them and have all those expenses, pay for the vet. You also have other options as where if you have property and the owner is okay with it, you can lease a horse and take it home. So you're leasing that horse. Most of the time with that though, you are you do have to pay to feed and care for that horse. If vet bills come up, most of the time you do have to pay for the vet bill, but at the same time, uh, sometimes the owner will reimburse you for at least paying the vet bill, things like that. So it really depends on the situation and the person. So I highly suggest, financially at least, you can lease or and take lessons first until you're the age of 16. If you are still dead set on owning a horse, I highly suggest during that time you start saving. Um, ask your parents about opening a savings account um, or getting a piggy bank or a jar or something. And you start putting money back. So when you do and are ready to buy your first horse, then you can pay with that money of yours to buy your horse. Um, so I, I suggest doing that. Um, 
what are some other things? So let's say you get to the age of 16. And a lot of the time, some people are like, well, what if my parents grew up with horses? What if we have the land? What if we have that? Well, then you're not really, you know, I mean, if your parents grew up with horses, you have horses, then I'm not really sure why you're listening to this. But um, that situation becomes more of a parent talk with your parents, you know. Uh, A lot of the times in that situation, your parents will get you to buy your own horse or work that horse off from your parents. So they're like, well, we have the facility, we already have horses, you know, things like that. Um, But you have to show the responsibility of you do want this horse and you do, um, you know, you grew up with horses. So you're more likely going to be want to keep that horse. Um, 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 um. I am sorry, I'm trying to do this paperwork. Um Um, sorry about that. I, now say you are the age of 16, you have been taking lessons, you have leased a horse, um, and you are ready to, or you think you are ready to, um, buy your own horse. So you have to look at your situation after you look at your finance, uh, your finances. So, Do you have an adequate place to keep your horse? Are you going to board your horse? Are you going to, you know, do you have your own little property? Are you going to keep it at your parents? What is your situation? So when looking at where your horse is going to stay, I 100% recommend keeping a horse in a area of land, pasture, I would not board at a facility that plans on keeping your horse in a stall. Um, There are, most boarding facilities do that, and then they do turnout times and things like that. Um, As long as your horse gets a lot of turnout, I like my horses to have at least 12 hours of turnout. I would love my horses to be turned out all the time, but, um, you know... I highly, highly suggest, like, if you board, finding a place that has that ability um, to pasture board or something. Um, So once you find a place that your horse is adequately boarded and happy or at your facility or whatever, you also have to think about your horse's mental state as far as a friend. A lot of people hate the fact of uh, horses uh, being buddy sour, you know. They um, have that buddy horse and things like that. Jake has had buddy sour issues. Um, However, 
horses are herd animals and they are vulnerable when they are alone. So if you do not want to get another horse or you do not have another horse to put with your horse, such as a friend's horse, um, or maybe there's somebody that will loan you a horse that's old and just uh, really a pasture ornament, or maybe they're wounded, you know, something like that. If there is not a buddy for them, you can get um, a miniature pony or you can get goats. Um, goats are really, really good. Um, uh, goats are really great animals for horses. I really like them. I debated getting Jake a goat before I got Betten. Um, but then I got Betten. So I really like goats. Um, you can get a cow, you know, create a, a, a pet cow, you know. Um, there's a lot of farmers who they end up having bottle babies that just don't grow or they have issues and they sometimes even give them away. So you can put a cow with your horse, you know, just another living being, at least one with your horse. That is something to think about. Along with that, though, you also have to think about feeding it. Um, so... Say you find a place, now you have to worry about feeding it, water, hay, you have to make sure they are getting adequate amounts of nutrition, making sure that they're rationed, um, their food is rationed, they're getting everything they need, especially if you are wanting to get a, uh, uh, if you are wanting to get a, um, a performance horse. They have to get everything they need in the adequate amounts. Um, so, this being said, most of the time you can contact a nutritionist for free. They will help you out, um, kind of get you started. Um, I talk to a nutritionist on a monthly basis pretty much, just trying to check in and let them know, you know, kind of what things are, uh, what are ha what's happening, making sure I'm staying on the right track. Um so figuring out feed, feed prices right now are skyrocketing. So really having to pay attention to the price of feed. What are you going to feed? Is that feed good enough for your horse? Is it adequate for your horse? Um, and then you got hay. Where are you going to put your hay? Are you going to buy round bells? Are you going to buy square bells? Where are you going to store the hay? How much can you buy at a time? This I just went through. Um, I finally found a hay guy that has very good hay. So that way I can feed. I personally like to feed the square bells. And I like the 100 to 120 pound square bells for um, Bermuda or alfalfa. I like to feed alfalfa. Um, they are a three string square bell so it is a bit larger than your average uh, square bell which ranges about 50 60 pounds i'm pretty sure um these are about 100 to 120. however i um highly recommend figuring that out. If you do not have a place to put it, you need to figure out forage. Um, do they have good um, grazing area? Horses graze 
all the time, 24-7. They are out grazing. They need to have forage all the time. I am not a fan of feeding forage only twice a day or even once a day. I prefer to feed forage at least... Um, so how, how I do it is I have my good hay. They are on pastures, so they have grass and I rotate pastures so they can feed off the grass and graze when there is not hay. But I also have a good quality hay that I feed a flake or they actually get over 20 pounds of hay each. Um, I try to make sure horses are supposed to eat 20 pounds of their body weight every day and so I feed over 20 pounds in hay at least that one being that they have the option of eating everything they need in that day in hay I also feed a grain if needed such as when we are performing or bulking up muscle then um, they have all that extra protein and stuff um, so I like to do that and along with that, um, it's just the hay is just insurance to making sure they, they can munch on that. Now, if they get a little fat, but I still need to feed grain, then um, I will cut back the hay. But at least they have grass that they can um, munch on throughout the day. Um, and then if, like in the wintertime, if the grass is uh, not very good, I will buy cheap, cheap round bells. Um, these round bells are crappy most of the time. They have no nutritional value. I will even take round bells that people have, um, they have uh, belled, but then it's just not good quality hay. You know, they, they aren't uh, liking that bell. And so uh, there could be trash in it or something like that. And I will actually put that out for the horses. And as far as trash, I mean like, you know, it's not just trash, trash bell. I'll open it up. I'll take the trash out or um, as long as there's no um, foxtails or anything like that that can cause a problem. I will make sure that bell is safe enough to eat. I'll put it out. Even though it has no nutritional value, it will keep their stomach moving as if they were to graze 24-7. And then I take my high-quality hay during the winter and feed more of that. So that way they have a good nutrition coming in, but then they also are able to munch all day long even though it's not giving them anything. So... That is my pro thought process with that. So you have a place you can financially, you feel like you can financially withhold, figure out pay, feed, water, all those things, boarding, you know, you think you can do this financially. Before you purchase the horse, I highly suggest that you Try to figure out, you know, just take a guess on a feed um, that you kind of think you want to start. And then when you start feeding that feed or that you want to start feeding, you want to start feeding this hay from this person. When you start doing those things, then um, I would highly suggest you calculate out well, how much that would cost you in a year. 
I actually had done that and I don't know where my note is, but I had done that before when feed prices were going up. I had to calculate how much feed would cost me a month with everything, hay and feed together. And let me tell you, it wasn't cheap. So before you purchase a horse, I highly recommend um, trying to guesstimate how much that feed in hay is going to cost you in a year. So you have somewhat of an idea. Um, along with that, purchasing a horse, you really need to figure out what type of horse you want and um, kind of what you want to do with it. Do you want to eat, uh, do an event? Do you want to rain? Do you want to cut? Do you want to barrel race? You know, what you, do you want to do an event? Do you want a competitive horse? No? Great. Let's find a horse that is not as competitive, nice trail horse, already broken. I do not recommend buying babies or green broke horses as your first horse. I do not recommend that even the slightest. For your first horse, unless you have been dealing with horses for years, your parents are trainers, you have a family member that is a trainer that is willing to help you. Unless you are paying for a trainer to help you, do not buy a project horse. Do not do it. If you were just wanting to get a horse and just start riding and have a nice ride, you want to go trail riding, buy a horse that is already broke. You can rescue a horse. There are lots of rescue horses who are already broke. They're nice and chill. You know, you're giving them a good home. They're not doing anything hard in their life as far as performance. It is fantastic. Along with that, if, um, you know, you decide to do that, you find a horse, great. Um, if you want to go the performance route, you got to figure out performance-wise, what are you looking for in that horse? Um, are you wanting to go to play days? Are you wanting to go to, uh, are you wanting to compete just locally at some jackpots? Are you wanting to rodeo? Are you wanting to rodeo high school? Are you wanting to rodeo, um, professional level? Do you want to make it to the NFR? You know, all those things are things you have to think about, um, it is super difficult to start off first wanting to compete and be by yourself. You have to find a trainer. I highly suggest that if you are getting into performance horses, um, find a trainer that trains in that event or has an idea of that event that you can start training with a help. So you can buy a broke horse that maybe isn't patterned, but you have a trainer that will help you pattern the horse, so on and so on, you know. Um, paying for a trainer is also something I highly recommend for your first horse. Um, that can be expensive in itself. Sometimes you can work out some deals. Some trainers are nice. You can work out deals with them. I worked out some deals for um, some lesson kids that um, have their own horse. You know, it's not uncommon. Something to think about. 
Um, if but I do highly suggest, especially if you're wanting to go into events, I highly recommend finding a trainer that um, can help you get started, learn the ropes, figure out how entry fees work, how rodeo or how the events work, things like that. You gotta have friends in that in that area because it is super hard even in the barrel industry to just come out of the blue and be like, okay, I'm going to barrel race. And you start going to barrel races, but you have no idea how they work. You have no idea what exhibitions are. You have no idea how your, um, 1d, 2d, 3d work. You know, uh, you don't know how your time splits work, things like that. So those are all things you need to think about before you even purchase a horse. Other things is, uh, Raleigh made a statement about putting $5,000 into an emergency savings account. I love that idea. However, for your average human being, it is an unrealistic emergency savings account. Unless you have already been saving and you are pretty stable on your feet. I personally... Give myself $1,000 in my savings account for any emergencies. Something else that you can do should an emergency happen. There are things you can do. You can purchase insurance on your horses. So your horses have pet insurance. You can do things like scratch pay. It is a payment plan company. You can do things like Care Credit. It is also a payment plan company. However, you can use it on yourself. I have both of those, Scratch Pay and Care Credit. Not only do I have those and use those for the horses, but I also try to keep $1,000 in my account at all times for emergencies. So... Um, while I do like to keep that emergencies, there are things you can do otherwise to help prevent, uh, to help pay for an emergency vet situation. Some veterinarian clinics will let you do payment plans, but not all of them. So they do offer scratch pay, care credit, other forms of payment like that. Those things are not hard to fill out for, and they are not a end all option. You are, I love Scratch Pay. Scratch Pay is super easy. They send me an email every time my, uh, I'm due for a payment. I get payment plans as low as $50, $40, even $20 a month for my horse's vet bill. These are great options as well. Those are things you need to think about. However, I do like the idea of keeping at least $1,000 to $2,000 in your account. I do like to say $1,000 per horse. So I do want, I do try to keep $2,000 for emergencies in my account uh, or in my savings for each horse, but, or $1,000 for each horse. But I'll be honest right now, I am currently trying to buy my own place and find uh, and save for my own land. So that is unrealistic for me at the moment, but I do have options and are ready to take care of those options when that thing, when an emergency arises, you have to be prepared. You have to be willing to take out a loan if you need to. Those things happen. Not only that, but do you have a truck? Do you have a trailer? Do you have those things to haul your horse to the vet should you need to? 
to performance uh, performances should you want to. You have to think about gas, paying for tires. Is the electric in your truck or in your horse trailer working? Are you wanting a living quarters? So much of this plays into having horses. Horses suck, like she said. While we love them to death, we love riding them. We love spending time with them. It is very stressful. It is very, it is anxiety based. It, there's a lot to it. You will almost always feel like you are broke when you have horses. Oh, my head hurts just thinking about it. Um, but not only that, let's see. Um, so let's say you have it set up, you know where your horse is going to go. You have a truck, you have a trailer, you have great tires on your truck and trailer. Your electric is working. Um, your lights are working. You know, you are ready and prepared for if, if an emergency happens, you have all this stuff lined out that we've talked about so far. You have a, a thing worked out with the trainer. You're going to keep your horse there. You're going to work with the trainer. You're going to work for the trainer. Think, so on, so on. You have it planned out so far. What next? Well, you're finding a horse. You're looking for the type of horse you want. Do you want to compete? Do you want a trail horse? Um, things like that. So say we find the horse. You really like this horse. Um, you have to get it vet checked before you purchase it. Sometimes sellers will pay for that. Sometimes they will not. Most of the time they will not. You need that horse to be vet checked. If you are looking to buy this horse as a performance animal, that is a must. If you are wanting to buy this horse as a trail horse, not wanting to do anything too extensive, I still recommend vet checks as far as anything that may be concerning. You could buy a horse with cancer that may not live very long. You could buy a horse that has a disease or an issue. If you have other horses, that horse could bring something to your horses. The people typically do like to drug horses when you come to try them out. So that horse seems very calm. It seems very low stress and it seems like a nice fit for you. But then when you get that horse home, that drug wears off. And that horse is batshit crazy. These are things you need to pay attention to when looking at horses. People are not honest people. They will lie, cheat, and steal from you so they can get rid of a horse or they can get money. So a vet check is a must for performance horses. It is a must for me for any horse, but for a lot of people, you know, it is recommended for a vet check. Um... So say your vet check comes through, you've taken x-rays for performance-wise, there's been no history of this horse having issues that you know of, you ride the horse, you try the horse, you are working with that horse, and things seem to be going well, you're clicking together, he's responding to you, you really like how he rides, he's not lame, uh, he's not having any issues as far as habits, throwing his, vet, throwing his head, chewing his bit so on and so forth. All these things are things you need to think about. Behavioral issues are things that you really do not want as your first horse. Can you work through them? Yes, with the correct trainer, but they are not things that you really want to deal with. 
Um, let me think of other things. Um, 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 um. So after your vet check, you've tried the horse. I personally like to try the horses at least three times. Um, that gives the owner a chance to forget to drug the horse if you go out to check it or to ride it. Um, but I like to try them three times, you know, uh, you know, ask all the questions you can. Do they haul well? Um, you know, try them on the pattern or on the, uh, on whatever event you're wanting to try. There's so much that goes into it. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, okay, so you like the horse. You want to purchase the horse. You also have to make sure you have the proper tack for the horse. So nine times out of ten, I suggest, I really like some saddles that are coming out that are fully adjustable. Mainly being with um, Schleza Saddle Company. They have uh, really nice saddles that are fully adjustable. I don't know if the Western saddle is fully adjustable, but the English saddle is. And so a fully adjustable saddle is a money saver. Um, let's see. Proper tack and equipment. You know, you have to buy buckets to feed out of. You have to buy water troughs. You have to, if you don't already have this stuff available. You have to buy um, halters, bridles, saddle pads, saddles, blankets, or sheets if you decide to do that. Um, you know, you have to deworm the horse every so often. You have to get a vet check every so often. I say a minimum of an annual vet check, getting them checked once a year. If you are, uh, if you have a performance horse, minimum twice a year, the beginning of the season and the end of the season. Um, um, you have to make sure you know that you get your horse vaccinated. Um, my horses are microchipped, um, so on and so forth. <laughs> Those are all things to be thinking about. I'm sorry this podcast is being so long, but I just want you to be prepared and knowing on what you're getting into these are things that you have to think about and um, figure out what you're going to do in that instance. Um, so you find a saddle. You have to make sure your, your equipment fits. Does your saddle fit your horse? Is it going to pinch or cause soreness or issues with your horse? Um, it took me years to find a saddle that would fit Jake properly or somewhat properly. Even then, your horse's muscles and back changes over time. The saddle that you just bought that fits may not fit in a few months. Um, what else is there? Uh, a bit. Do you want to ride in a bit? Do you want to ride in a hackamore? I highly suggest starting off in a hackamore if the horse will allow. 
for the reason being, almost every time that you um, put a bit in a horse's mouth that the owner suggests that horse does not like that bit, a hackamore will give you somewhat control of the horse until um, you can find a bit that the horse will work with. Talk to a saddle fitter, talk to a bit fitter, all these things. Um, so you got all your, you, you bought your horse, you have all the equipment, it all fits, seems to be working great, you have a trainer. Sounds like you're off to a great start now. Good luck. That also doesn't count for, say your horse, um, has an issue and you don't, you didn't spot it early enough and the horse is, um, having some problems and, uh, say some, a bee stings him or he had, he, he, uh, got a pinch in his back or something and he starts to buck and you fall off, you break your arm, you have medical bills you have to pay for. I, um, have insurance on myself. You know, um, I just got out of a cast three, four weeks ago. I broke my arm because Betton kicked me. You know, those are things you have to think about. Working your horse and making sure he has the activity he needs every single day. If he is a performance horse, he needs to stay in shape in order to perform and be healthy. So on and so forth. You know, um, fuel mileage to and from your horse if he is not at home. So on and so forth. I'm just trying to think of things here. Um, keeping your horse nice and healthy, not only with the vet, but a massage for your horse is, I believe, a really good way to keep your horse nice and relaxed. It, it lets you monitor his muscles if he's getting tense, if he's getting sore. That way, the massage therapist can help you keep the horse comfortable without overworking him or creating a worse problem. Massage therapist is a great expense. Um, you may have to have the chiropractor out every now and then. Horses need their teeth done every so often. They needed to be floated. Um, you know, the farrier comes out every six to eight weeks, depending on the horse. You know, um, those are expenses. Uh, what else am I thinking? You know, you have other therapies you can try and do. You, um, you know, um, if something wants to happen to you and you have medical bills, a horse accidentally does something to you, you know, um, yeah. So if you're looking more for, uh, say you want to go trail riding, not a lot of trail places do require a fee if you're just going Unless you were camping or something, then you have to pay like a fee. Um, but if you are going into performance, you have to think about, um, you know, uh, your entry fee. If you are doing jackpots or rodeos, um, a lot of your jackpots not only have an entry fee, but they have a arena fee. Um, if you're doing play days, you have a fee for each event. Um, if you are... Um, hauling around rodeos and you're trying to qualify or fill your, um, fill up your permit card or something, you know, um, these are all things that you have to think about. That is all fuel mileage. That is all money you have to pay 
to be in a sanction or an association, you have to pay a membership. You have to go to so many rodeos to qualify for certain, uh, for certain rodeos. You know, if you're going to jackpots, sometimes you can find them locally and you can just continue to go there. You have exhibitions you can do for practice runs. You have, you can enter in the jackpot, you know, and sometimes you could be there until two in the morning, depending on how many people enter. It's just this cycle of spending money, spending money, spending money. And not only that, but you have to hold a full-time job in order to do this. It's difficult. It is hard. Figure, and I suggest finding a full-time job or at least a part-time job that you do not mind. There's nothing worse than being stuck in a job you do not like, but you have to stay there because you have to pay for your horses. With that being said, you know, you can find things that you can do. Um, you can become a massage therapist. You can um, do therapies and become certified. You can um, uh, you can grow your knowledge and stuff and do those things. You can find things that you can do to make money and still work with horses as well and do a side job and a side job and compete. Those are all things to think about. I think that roundabout take like covers everything as far as expensive expenses. You know, um, I am after I did my YouTube video, some people did want me to uh, save all my money of how much both of the boys cost this year. I haven't even counted it up yet this year, but it's only March, and I'm pretty sure I've spent a lot already. So at the end of the year. Um, at the beginning of next year, we'll do another video of how much both of the boys cost versus only betting was six to seven thousand dollars. We'll see how much they both cost. This time, we are going to be playdaying this year, so that is an added expense. I will be taking betting places and showing him off. I will be possibly, if this lease horse works out, I'm going to be leasing him for a uh, for the season of the play days and possibly competing on him so we'll see what all happens but that'll uh, be interesting to see what those expenses are so i know it's been a long podcast and i apologize for that but i just thought y'all should know these things some of you um are agreeing with me i can just hear you and listening to this, shaking your head, going, yeah, yep, that's a lot. Horses are a debt. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just wanted to lay this out for anybody who who may be young or may, may be older and wanting a horse. You know, these are things to think about. Horses, um, you have to, you know, they are grazers. They graze all the time. They have to have adequate amount of space and activity to stay mentally and physically healthy. Those are all things to think about. So if y'all have any questions, all my links are in the show notes, and I'd be happy to answer any of those links.